Thanks for joining Sisu Girls Canada. I'm Michelle the Runner. Today on the show, we have Rhonda Avery. Rhonda is our fearless Canadian ultra runner. She was born with a rare genetic eye disease called acromatopsia. This means she has no cones in her retina and she only was left with 8% vision. Nothing will slow Rhonda down and she has a community behind her always trying to keep up. Oftentimes you'll find her being the first disabled woman to do just about anything even able athletes wouldn't want to consider. Completing the Bruce Trail from end to end over 20 days was just one of those epic moments. It didn't surprise her closest friends and the running community one single bit when we heard she was about to become the first disabled woman to run the Barkley Marathon. Okay, welcome to Sisu Girls, Rhonda. Thanks very much for having me. And okay, so this past weekend you did the incredible and super well known or infamous famous Barkley Marathon. Um, if you got if no one's ever watched or know about the Barkley Marathon, go on Netflix and you'll be able to learn all about it. Um, tell us how, first of all, did you get into the Barkley Marathon? The first rule about the Barkley Marathon is that you don't talk about Barkley. Damn it. I knew <laughs> I knew there was going to be some kind of answer like that. Um, Let me just go. put it out there that I there is no point, absolutely zero point in emailing me and asking me the process of how to get in. I do not know. Yeah, it's I, a bit of a it, it's so just to explain to the audience who don't know the concept, it's kind of like a scavenger hunt as I as I imagine. To get in. Yeah, just to get in. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't, I can't help you with that even a little bit. So don't ask me. But you did bring a license plate. I did. It was funny because I had had this race in the back of my mind since the the first trail race I ever did in 2012, and when everything finally started coming together, it finally started falling apart, and we were out running, Stephen and I one day and he said he said wait and he dove down into a ditch and he came back up with this license but he said you're gonna need this I'm like oh god there it is again right in your face right don't the, don't let go of your dreams that's actually an amazing that's like a really really cool story so it's kind of meant to be it was meant to be yeah that's a good one um okay so before I knew you were going down to do the Barkley Marathon because I had some insider information but I kept my mouth shut thank you for that yes yeah. um but you kept telling me I'm gonna die I'm gonna die um but in all seriousness you must have had some confidence in your ability to want to try this amazing challenge do, do you want to answer on that one I want an I'm... honest answer like yeah if you I honestly can't imagine going down to the Barkley Marathon unless you had an ounce of confidence I think that every race that I've ever tried to do people say what's your plan and my my go-to answer is not to die um because you think about 100 miles I mean anything could go wrong right it, whether it's a rail trail whether it's a mountain ridge whether it's whatever you just anything could go wrong you could get sick you could break a leg anything could go wrong my plan is not to die to make it through one step another step this time the people who were in the know and it was a very small group um specifically because I was told not to tell anyone so I'll make that clear um they said what's your plan what's your you know what are you gonna what's your plan and I said uh this time I would accept death and that's how important it it was for me just to go and to give it everything I possibly could. Um, I mean, it's a complete unknown. You you don't know what you don't know. And being out there and being on the edge of the world, right? The only thing I could think of was 
I cannot believe I was afraid of the escarpment on the Bruce Trail. <laughs> right <laughs> up there, yeah. and the wind is about ready to pick me up and fling me, you know, fifteen hundred feet down, just because it it can. And I'm 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 not gonna say I was comfortable. I'm not gonna say I was terrified or actually thought I was gonna die. But in terms of my belief and my abilities, no. What I thought was, if I did fall off a mountain, it would still be an awareness campaign for the fact that disability tries hard and and at the end of the day shows up ready to go well okay I will accept that answer (laughs) that's I don't know there's just there's no follow-up to that answer that's pretty much succinct about how you feel and that it's a good point to make actually about um disability does show up and you've done this time and time again um on many many different occasions um challenge yourself beyond um what even people who don't have disabilities would do. So it's kind of amazing. Um, So you completed one loop from what I could find from Twitter. And when I was following you all weekend, you completed one loop, but you didn't make the time cutoff. That is not correct. Okay. So this is what's (laughs) going around the internet, right? So that's why I have you here. So tell us what happened then. So you are given the chance to copy a map. Um, there's no route, right? There's no flags. There's no pretty trails and blazes and direction. Um, we charged off into the wilderness and made a great number of directional errors and had an amazing adventure. I think in total we covered about eight miles of the official 20-mile loop. Um, we found four books in order, ripped out pages, um, completely totally lost both suffered from hypothermic symptoms in the in the nighttime it was very cold um when we finally decided that we needed to return to camp um it still took a good 10 to 13 hours to get back to home base uh that's how turned around we were in the in the state park itself and in the process of getting back to camp there were two hitchhiked rides one in the back of a pickup truck being wheeled down a gravel trail on the side of the mountain or i'm holding onto the edge and this paint cans keep slamming into my shins every time we went around the bend absolutely terrifying i thought yeah didn't die on the mountain but i'm gonna die right here right now (laughs) Yeah, And then um, another hike up to the tower where we found book nine. So there were 13 books on this course. And I didn't take the page because we had already dropped out of the race, right? Officially, once I stepped into the back of that pickup truck, we were out. So um, I left the braille page and um, we hiked back down to the road and got another ride in a car. You've probably seen that picture on Twitter, mm-hmm. Rescue Squad. And back to camp. So total of four pages retrieved in order, covered about eight miles of the course, probably did about 100K, 20,000 feet of elevation or more, up and down the same mountain about 10 times. Mm. Um, Our directions were written in riddles. So you had to decipher what the race director meant when he said there are two trees with hollow bases and two rocks leaning against each other and the book safely tucked away. Well, we're in a forest. There's a lot of freaking trees. Mm-hmm. So take your pick. And um, uh, I, no regrets. 30 hours on foot and loved every second of it. But definitely, you know, it's a tough call to make. Okay, we're done. Let's let's try and get out of here. Yeah. You, you have to carry everything you need. And it took, we left at 10.41 a.m. 
and I didn't find the first water drop until one in the morning. So that's a lot of time to carry every every bit of survival on your back. Yeah, that's insane. Did you know, did they give you, I know there's rules in this race about talking about it, but were they? did they give you a list of things, your essentials you need, and then did you take anything extra? No equipment list, no mandatory must-have. The rules were you know, no GPS, um, you can have a compass and your map and your written directions, and you should be prepared for any circumstance so definitely I've never done any event that required me to be so self-sufficient and in the training I only did one run that was maybe 10 hours where I was carrying everything I needed on my back so can you give us a list of kind of a rundown of what you were carrying um I had a pack with a two liter bladder and then bottles. So I was carrying a two 750 mil bottles. Each had electrolytes in it. So I had water and electrolytes adding up to about three and a half liters. I had poles. Uh, I had a pair of pants that were going to be deliberately just to climb rat jaw, right? We're supposed to be all the briars. Yeah. Were. I was going to just ask. Far, but yeah. um, they came in handy overnight when we were so cold. I had um, food enough for about 15 hours. So you space it out. And I, I came back with one or two bars in my pack because, again, you just you never know when you're going to make it back. Um, I had uh, the maps. I had my race bib number with me. I had first aid things in case crisis went. Um, it, really nothing spectacular. Uh, I had lots of things I didn't end up using. So just before I left, both Steve Hunter and Stephen... Um, jammed extra food. So I had a couple of extra pepperettes and a, a package of protein powder in my pack. So when I finally did get to the water drop, I had a protein shake and that's probably what saved my arse. Like I just can't imagine having gone any further without calories. And, um, you know, you have to be prepared, right, for any situation. But what does that mean? And I had never been in that kind of situation. So I really didn't know. Definitely, I would pack different. Do you think it's something you're going to try again? I don't have the ability to answer that question. I mean, I, in a heartbeat. I mean, if you uh, if there was all the time and space and money in the world, I would be back there. In a, in a but doesn't the Barkley Marathon just cost a dollar? <laughs> you still have to know how no. to get in. You still have to be accepted and uh, welcomed back. I I have to I have to say you know it's like any ultra event I've ever been at, once you're there, you're part of the family, but that doesn't get you an entrance, right? You still right. have to fight for that and work for that, and I wouldn't know where to begin. But um, I'm, I wouldn't be afraid to try it again. I wouldn't be afraid to take part in it. Um, I definitely think that it is difficult to both guide and navigate at the same time, and I would definitely ask for two people one to do each of those jobs right right so what was the what was the the um stipulation with that because you did have a guide and to help you out and um I guess they you were saying they didn't allow for two this time no I was granted the uh the right to have a guide runner with me uh, like I said just one person no fresh bodies on course they need to be as you know tired and worn out as you are um and, and I appreciate that. That's all part of it, right? You have to overcome not only the physical, but the mental and emotional, right? Everything all at one time. The, the trick is 
to stay on top of the mental side of being awake and and if you've done anything long and tedious, you you know that one wrong move mm-hmm. is a pretty big deal. So, yeah. uh, I mean, when we were on the Bruce Trail, I always had two people, one to navigate blazes, and that was a clear, clearly marked trail, and one to navigate, okay, step up here, route left, jump over that crevasse, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's really difficult to take a compass bearing of northwest and head down a mountain off trail and still make sure that I'm safe while maintaining that course. So he had a very tough job, and he did an amazing job with with, uh, with what he was able to do. Right. We just, just got turned around. And does the guide have to also um, sort of get into the race in the same way you did, or are they kind of granted as your guide and they're just in it? He was told, um, well, first off, Laz found this, gentleman for me so I, I I didn't know him before um and had never met him until we showed up at frozen head so he was told he didn't count that he was just the eyes of the team right just mm-hmm. the navigating kind of power behind it all so um I mean we did the registration all together and we and we stood at the the yellow gate all together but anybody who was smart enough to to pay attention would have counted there were 42 runners so I was the 41st allowed and he was my guide and that was you know the you know st- I stand by I couldn't enter this race I was given a spot and given a chance mm-hmm. um it's interesting because it does like now I didn't now that I'm hearing this for the first time um, it makes it even more impressive what you did because you were kind of like you were really at a disadvantage because you that seems like an, a ridiculous situation to have to deal with. It, I think it was probably the biggest challenge um, to, to, to navigate and yeah. understand, you know, I'm, I don't ever race alone. Um, I think maybe twice I've ever been in an environment where I'd spend my race and on my steam and my entire effort. But um, you, if you've ever done anything ultra, you get into that place in your head where you're fighting your own demons. Mm-hmm. I don't often get that space, right? Like, and I'm, I'm always with someone. I'm always following someone, and, and their mood really affects my mood. Mm-hmm. And Christian was amazing, like upbeat, very optimistic, positive, even when he knew. I was out, and I, I couldn't imagine going further in the wrong direction right right and it and it's tough to be able to say to someone we we have to make our way back to camp like and at the end of the day I was the one that called it and said we really for safety reasons need to make this decision um but mostly a guide you usually have some kind of familiarity with the people who do guide you um that's right and have met before and have done a few training runs and that kind of thing and this was brand new so, um, but again, that's how you, you make new lifelong friends and, yeah. and, and that's just part of the adventure. It just makes the Barkley Marathon even more amazing and epic, um, for you anyway. Um, so even though you didn't complete the loop and you couldn't go into completing the race, um, it might, you still did make a little bit of history because you were... Um, from what I understand, the first um, blind runner or disabled disabled runner um, to take on the Berkeley Marathon. It's my understanding. So, how does 
that part feel? I mean, it probably feels awesome, but um, just knowing you were there, were you were you having this sort of like I'm here and I'm doing it, or were you disappointed? Like, what? I mean, I'm sure you're disappointed. These are stupid questions, but I mean, just give me a sense of what was going on when you're when you were going back in the car. This is um, this is the kind of dichotomy I always seem to find myself in. I want to do this thing. I want to race this race. I want to try this thing. There's that inside that everybody chooses. Oh, that race looks awesome. I'd love to give it a shot. There's this other side of me, and I stand for, for something, right? My my goal is all creating this space and awareness for disability. That is huge. That is my life purpose. I know it. I fight for every single time. But that turns every race into... Um, this place where it's not like there isn't room for failure but you you have to have this this ability to fail with such an epic effort right mm-hmm. um if people don't and I, I don't I just in general if the society doesn't expect disability to to be able to fit into everything else that's going on in every day how do you fit into something that's so off kilter already and then I think the Barkley is probably the most off kilter of all the ultra stuff that I've ever heard of. Yeah. Um, so to be there and to be part of that, but then to stand for something that I don't want to say that's a huge amount of pressure, but it kind of is. I'd um, say it is for sure. And you have to decide how much of that you're going to let in your head and how much of that you're going to let be part of the demons that you fight against in the mm-hmm. middle of the night. Right. Um, but I have to, that was the, the the best experience I've ever had. And I finished probably the most optimistic I have ever finished a race. And I think you stand at the gate with 40 other people and you know that 99% of them are not going to get to the end. Right. It's almost better footing. That's interesting way to think of it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was wondering, you know, because between you and Gary Robbins, who is also a Canadian ultra runner, um, both of you were down there making history. C- Gary Robbins was potentially going to be the first Canadian to finish Barkley Marathon. So hearing your, you know, what was going on in your head and how you're dealing with that pressure, did you get to talk to him about the race afterwards and was he having that those similar thoughts? I didn't. I, I said goodbye to him before he headed out on his fifth loop and he definitely was heading the game, you know, um, and focused and all I can say is there is no point at which he didn't feel that pressure whether he let it in or not I couldn't tell you but you're right my first Canadian that would have been huge Massive. so yeah. I just in and of itself it stands for enough just to show up yeah because uh yeah he he put in from what I saw he put in like a crazy amazing effort um, really tried to gut it out to the very end. Um, I can't wait to hear more stories about what happened with him. Um, and pretty sure what the, is it's um, from what I know about the Barkley Marathon, if you get that close on your first attempt, usually you finish it on your second attempt. Like you have a pretty, um, you know, not guaranteed, but obviously nothing's guaranteed, but you have a better chance of finishing on your second loop. So there's a chance probably for him to and you to um get another go at it 
I am I'm totally and one hundred percent convinced that both of us would change something up if we ever went back. I, I think, and I can't speak for him, but if he'd had a better night's sleep before, mm-hmm. he would have been better prepared to deal with the exhaustion. But how do you do that? You're waiting, right? From the moment you go to bed on Friday night, you're waiting. The the conch can blow at eleven o'clock. Yeah. So you're just you're just biting your nails and waiting. And I said to the guys before I went to sleep, "This is on you. Like I gotta sleep." So. You wake me up or you won't. <laughs> that's the that's the yeah. way that's going to work. Yeah. But and I, I for myself, I would say that both Christian and I feel if we had been on the right course, we wouldn't have had, um, we wouldn't it, we wouldn't have made the cutoff, but we would have been able to finish a loop, for sure. So now you've gone to Barkley and competed. Um, so that's off your bucket list. Um, now maybe going back to complete it might be next. Um, also you've done the Bruce trail from end to end, which was amazing to, um, watch you do that. So what's next on your list of adventures? Cause I know there's gotta be something epic in the future for you. My newest and just recently chosen next race is a double anvil in Florida in March. Okay. So what can you just tell us a little bit about what that is for people who don't know what it is? A uh, double anvil is a double Ironman, so you have 36 hours to finish, and um, they, I mean, they, these things go up to 10 times, right? But you have to do a double anvil before you can move on to something bigger. Uh, I've never done an Ironman in itself, so this will be a pretty big challenge. I've done lots of open water swimming, I've done lots of long tandem bike riding, I've done lots of long running but I've never done them back to back. And they tell me I'll be the first uh, disabled athlete to complete one if I if I get there. It's amazing. I like it. Everything is for you is you're the first. So, um it's amazing. Like how does it feel to be a trailblazer? I would honestly feel way better about it if other people started coming to join. <laughs> Well, this is what you're doing, though. You're inspiring other people to show them, like, if I can, so can you. So That's my hope, that eventually we can. And I and I think that Envisions is definitely, that's the goal, right? To encourage and to, to create space. So we'll be taking some other abled athletes along on, on different journeys and, and trying to create some awareness that way as well. It shouldn't always be about, look at what Rhonda can do, but okay, let's let's try and encourage an active life for everyone. So. Well, wow, that's amazing. Um, while you're at it, you just admit, uh, mentioned Envision. So why don't you tell everybody a little bit about that, how they can connect with you, how they can get involved and um, watch you on your journey. So Envision's Project has its own website, envisionsproject.com. And we definitely would love to hear from anybody who either wants to take part in their own sort of bucket list thing who maybe has a a different ability level and just doesn't really know how to work around some of the perceived limitations in the world or we would love to have people who do these sports or are active in this way and have some skill set to share whether it's guide running or the ability to um, get on a tandem bike with someone or even help transport an athlete to and from the gym, right, to get in the pool on their own, that sort of thing. Um, we we just were trying to make projects available in the future. We have one athlete that wants to go and do a rim-to-rim in the Grand Canyon. 
Um, and that's no easy thing. You have to you have to create the path for that too, right? We have other athletes that want to do tough mutters. We we just want to connect with people who are inspired enough to make change and and push through um, perceived limitations. And on the um, Envisions website, they can find your Twitter handle and Instagram handle and all that stuff. I believe so. You can look me up on Instagram. I'm um, at Batgirl. Uh, 78 I think yeah. and then and then Twitter I am R-A-M Avery um, and then Facebook I'm easy to find if you Google Batgirl I think I come up um, and then yeah it's, it should all be there and you can send a message right through the Envisions website that'll come to me as well okay perfect thanks again so much for your time and it's so inspiring to listen to you and I'm so happy you got to go down and experience Barkley and it's not many people get to so um i hope you and wish you the best of luck for this new adventure you're going to go on thanks very much for your time too and i can i just point out that i'm aware that you ride a bike i do and i can tandem bike you anytime perfect okay i'll be coming to visit soon then perfect thanks all right thanks very much okay thanks bye, bye. Rhonda is known in her world as Batgirl, and it's a fitting name for her. She is our superhero. She fights for those who can't and gives the rest of us the inspiration to go the extra mile. If you don't know about the Barkley Marathon, it's currently playing on Netflix, and I highly recommend you check it out, even to understand for a second what she went through during that first loop. Please visit her page, www.envisionsprojects.com, to see how you can get involved. Thanks for listening to Seize the Girls Canada, and hope you'll join us again next time.